Welcome to the FML Podcast, the podcast on a mission to uncover actionable insights, explore the latest trends, and to catalyze your fintech's growth. Join Growth Gorilla's founder and managing director, Shamir Sajdev, and some of fintech's hardest-hitting marketers and leaders. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the FML Podcast. Today we're joined by Yus Brock, VP of Marketing at Plum. Um, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me here. Great stuff. Uh, well, let's just jump straight into it. Um, would you mind just telling us uh, about your journey so far and, and, and how you've ended up at Plum? My journey so far has been mainly around like marketing and growth. So I started my journey in, in consulting. Then um, you moved into like startup world, a company called Streetwell, back in Amsterdam. Um, they were a hair beauty marketplace and I decided to join join them, um, join the data analytics team. The company grew very quickly. It was based in Amsterdam and, and first looked after me like Amsterdam and, uh, and, and in German and Dutch market. The company got acquired by a public company called Recruit Holdings and from there we, we grew over, uh, over, over to Europe. I spent one year, one year there roughly, and then moved over to uh, to London to build out a cross-marketing uh, marketing team and function, really focused on automation and data. And um, later on, moved into the consumer role, so responsible for uh, Europe, B2B and B2C, um, B2C marketing. After that, I uh, joined a company called Colvin, um, so moved into e-commerce, and, uh, and now I'm at, uh, at Plum, and uh, really, to, uh, really great to be here. Um, so move from marketplaces to e-commerce to uh, to fintech right uh, right now, and uh, Plum is responsible for um, for marketing and growth. So the in-house marketing function area we we have, as well as on the growth side, uh, supporting um, some of the product teams and squads that we uh, that we have in, uh, in the company. Amazing. Um, so b- before we kind of jump into the details, um, for, for the benefit of our audience, for those that haven't heard of Plum, which I'd be quite surprised. Do you mind just sort of giving us a, a quick elevator pitch as to sort of what Plum is and what you guys do? So we are a smart money app. We are currently in, um, started in the UK, currently in, in 10 countries around Europe. We help people save, uh, spend and, and invest. We do that through AI and through like uh, different automations where people basically connect their bank accounts through open banking and, and we help them to uh, manage their finances, manage their savings, and um, and invest. And that's really the core of, of Plum, uh, that ecosystem that we that we have. Um, there's a big opportunity for uh, for us and for the world to help people be more educated around finance. And Plum will uh, will help with uh, with that. So Plum at the moment has got 1.6 million customers and approximately 1.6 billion saved and invested. That's pretty significant in terms of. Um, you know, volume of users. Can you kind of take us through through that journey in terms of that growth to 1.6 million? Was it, a, you know, did you find immediate product market fit? You know, did it, you know, land nicely and easily? Was it a bit bumpy? Uh, you know, t- talk us through that. So Plum started actually as a Facebook chatbot, which um, might be relevant now where um, with ChatGPT, everything comes up. So we evolved into an app, uh, started in, uh, in the UK, as I mentioned, and um, from there on, we, we saw a big opportunity that people actually use the product. Um, they talked about they talk, talk about it with their friends. And um, from that point, we transitioned from an app, from a, from a chatbot to, to an app. 
We saw traction, many are the different automations we have. And on top of that, we built different uh, financial financial solutions for, for people to uh, yeah to build their wealth building building journey. So um, we launched Europe, although we in UK the biggest biggest market for us, uh, we see good traction uh, good traction there, and we definitely want to grow in Europe uh, further. So your core market is the UK, and you've expanded out into into nine other countries. What was the main reason or the key sort of decisions behind wanting to make that move into Europe? Had you saturated the UK market already, or was it more for tactical opportunity or strategic? We saw a big opportunity in, in Europe as well as we built their foundations. Uh, it's, a, it's a key key growth driver for for us. So if you look at the US uh, market and compare that that market uh, with the, with the European market as well, so including including uh, UK, there's just a massive opportunity in the way how people manage their finances, how people uh, invest, and from that perspective, and then stay closer mission. That was basically the next step for us. So how can we reach more people and help more people on their financial journey and helping them to build to build wealth? So from that perspective, we started looking at our expansion journey and see what markets we could serve, both from a growth perspective as well from our regularity perspective. And we were able to launch fairly quickly with new products in most of these European markets. So for us, it has been a quite um, significant launch. We're still monitoring the different markets where we see traction. Uh, and obviously, most of the traction that we we're seeing currently is, is in France, which is our second biggest biggest market where we're um, doing, doing very well. Um, and that will inform us about our further European growth, uh, growth strategy as, uh, as well. Right? So um, that is in summary how we, how we kind of like launched in, in Europe. And how did you um, cho- choose the countries or the territories to, to go after? Was it done on a little bit more of a whim? Let's have a, you know, let's run a bit of performance activity in France or Germany and see how it performs. Or was it a little bit more strategic and there was money put behind market research to, to make those decisions? Yeah, the combination of like of, of market research as well as combining different factors of like what are different trends in the markets, um, what is the adoption of or barriers to entrance from a, from a, a fintech perspective, as well as uh, how people use use money like. It, is there a high adoption of, of cash, of, of digital payment method, methods? And from that perspective, we ranked the different markets and we launched, obviously, with, it, with a combination of, um, of, of both paid and organic, uh, organic marketing. And we're constantly optimizing of where we see traction and what are our, our core, uh, core markets in Europe. Let's kind of sort of go back a tad. In the UK, where that was kind of your original sort of uh, ground and, and you gained you know, traction originally, what do you think the key sort of learnings and initiatives were that help you to drive growth? Well, we've always been, I think, a product that people like to talk about. If people are proud of their first savings, people that have never been able or focused on saving money, it's a very low barrier. So um, you either, at the beginning, we had the chatbot, of course, or, or now the app where you can connect your bank account and everything happens automatically. Right? So everything happens in the background. And, and the biggest traction point for us was that re- people feel that they achieved something without much effort, saving their first hundred pounds or euros. And we still see those customer stories and we're very proud of it. That helped us to get traction. Uh, traction, especially as under uh, a younger audience, uh, currently 55% of our users are uh, our female audience. And we're definitely seeing that people like to 
talk about Plum with their friends and it's a very likable product. Um, and that's that's what gets us uh, gets us uh, got the first traction. On top of that, obviously, like to amplify that, we we invested in, in different marketing channels, both performance marketing as well as um, more both the line advertising to kind of like amplify that like word of word of mouth. Um, and that's still the case, right? So um, we still have performance marketing. We still have a healthy split between performance and uh, and the world of the line. And um, that's what's what getting us got us the first traction as uh, as as well. Uh, and from a word of mouth perspective, um, yeah, our refer friend program is 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 something that we're we're proud of, and and people still like to talk about Plum with their friends and with their uh, relatives. With kind of having established a methodology or or a marketing framework or growth framework in the UK that's working. Did you use that as a basis to then launch into each of the new territories? Did you kind of go in and go, hey, we've got a blueprint that works. Let's roll that out in France and then tweak it accordingly. And then let's just keep on doing that. Or did you pretty much build the ship from the ground up in, in, in each territory, you know, without making, you know, to, to avoid making any assertions or, or hypotheses? It's a combination of both. So... You saw the, the the growth frameworks that that we we were utilizing in the, in the UK. Looking at open banking, we definitely see that there's a higher adoption in terms of open banking in in the UK, both from banks and in providers. That's something we monitor very very closely. So on the UK side, um, yeah, everything is 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 looking healthy in terms of open banking, and there's a wide wide support. Although we always think there can be better support and better standardization, but definitely in EU where we have uh, in some countries many banks, many different parties, very visualized. Um, that can be a challenge. Um, so we need to iterate on like, how do we make sure we still drive that value from, from the app where uh, we stick close to our, our, our mission, which is um, all around like, how do we like basically build wealth, uh, build wealth like automatic, right? And that is something that at some point we couldn't deliver in Europe. So we had to make some adaptions to our, to our, to our product to still give users the option of, of saving auto, 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 automatically. Um, and then on the regulatory frameworks, obviously every market is is, is different in that uh, aspect. So um, yeah, we had to closely look at like, what can we offer in uh, in which markets and which uh, one of the different parties we, uh, we we work with, what are different licenses they, they have in, in, in those different markets. So both things we, uh, we looked at. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about current marketing mix. You, you mentioned, obviously, that in growing the brand and, and, and acquiring users, you were doing performance marketing, and then you kind of moved over to, to above the line. I had this conversation with, um, we, we recorded a podcast with uh, the CMO of uh, Pension B, Jasper. And one of the questions I asked him was, how do you know when to make the move from performance and then eventually start spending comparatively big money on above the line activity like TV ads, etc., as VP of marketing, how did you know it was the right time to, to make that move? In general, it's about having also the longer term, longer term, term view, and, and about like building marketing effectiveness, and not necessarily focusing on marketing efficiency. So we layered uh, historically always uh, more tactical campaigns during more seasonal campaigns, whether it's ISA season in the UK or starting the year. Um, so we layered up that that our performance uh, campaigns with above the line, and we, we closely monitor uh, all those different different metrics. So 
we've been doing it for for a while. It's always the level of investment that that will will go into it. But for us, it's mainly building the brand and understanding what those like longer term impacts uh, impacts are, uh, and understanding how people perceive the brand. So uh, for us, it's a it's a it's a good combination of focusing on like short term uh, performance metrics and um, longer term. Investing in in brand building as uh, as well to amplify uh, amplify our mission. Given the sort of current mar- you know market conditions and economic conditions, there's you know you know somewhat of a negative sentiment at the moment. Do you think that's changed your your perhaps you know your anticipated strategy for 2023? You know comparatively, you know what you were planning you know back end of last year versus now. Uh, do you think that's changed? There are definitely things we take into consideration, both in terms of as a company, we look at like building a sustainable business. Luckily, we've already pivoted to to a subscription like model to focus on like features and solutions where people really would like to pay for and bring bring value. So having done this uh, this pivot helped us to uh, be, be very resilient during any downturn. So we're not massively relying on transaction volumes uh, in, in in that sense. But that also helped us um, in, in during this year. On the product side, we have a diversified like ecosystem. So obviously, we we capture both the investing side, funds and stocks, as well as uh, as well as savings, as well as helping people to get more information on where is their money money going. So both of these products are definitely in this side guys uh, important uh, for for our customers. And that helps us. To take a good uh, stand on uh, 2020, 2023. Um, in terms of how we adopt it, uh, obviously it's not growth at all cost. We're taking a, a stance of where do we find the right users that will help us also grow in the long term and not necessarily chasing only new user numbers. So we, we clearly look more in LTV, our retention curves evolving both on the, the early stage, one, one, two, three, as well as how do we make sure that our current users are, uh, are also happy and we uh, retain them. You mentioned about sort of LTV and retention and metrics and, and, and looking at the quality of user. We've been through a period where it's been very, very much about growth at all costs. I know as an agency prior to probably September last year, it was all about customer acquisition costs. That's all it was. That's changed now. We're now we're looking at uh, return on ad spend and LTV, et cetera. I kind of want to understand, you know, what does Plum's framework look like from a data perspective? You know, how closely are you tracking the data that you're, you're deriving from your advertising activity? How closely are you tracking data from how the user uses your platform? And then how are you then interpreting that data and behavior to then make decisions on your marketing and product strategy? going forward obviously we use different different data points and there is no like single data point that we fully or only rely on especially in the, the ADT world where in general attribution is, is 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 not a thing anymore so we're trying to look at different data points and interpret them in a combined way so you mentioned LTV where we look at uh, we look at LTV look at ARPU we look at LTV by different by product someone that comes to save uh, has a different LTV uh, level uh, than and someone that might invest in, uh, in in their in their pension. We take that into account, combined with with our payback payback times and payback periods. But indeed, there's a lot of data going into our, our systems. 
at the granular level, whether it's company level data, whether it's our creative costs, whether it's our uh, TV level uh, data. So everything is combined, used for reporting uh, in, in the first uh, first instance. Um, but where we really are moving into is that we want to build this like feedback loop where it's not only used for reporting, but where we also automatically can action on it, right? Because reporting and insights is one, but with all these automation in place um, on the marketing side, we definitely want to build and expand on that activation layer, uh, layer, layer as well. That's on the data side, obviously, together with the product team and, and, and then the marketing team, we're constantly um, speaking to users, um, the user interviews, look at the survey data, like why people, uh, how was their onboarding experience, why people canceled their account, with close collaboration with the CS team, uh, to what are the main friction points, um, but also what are people celebrating uh, at the top, right? So we're trying to combine different data points and we, we're not relying on one single source of, uh, of truth for us. Has there been any wow moments in the data? What I mean is that has there been any really interesting data that you hadn't realized or you didn't expect? And or has there been a case where you've taken some data, you've made a decision from your marketing perspective, um, and it's yielded in a fantastic result? It's something I think also on the product side we look at. For example, the, the hackathons and when we speak to, to users and one of the, the products that came out of these, like one of the hackathons was actually a, a specific saving rule. And yeah, by launching this, we, we saw a good good adoption of these of these saving rules. And definitely that's something that we'd like to see more of. So I'd like to switch streams a little bit and, and talk a little bit more about the Plum product itself. You're positioning yourself as a financial well-being app and your your latest campaign is promoting that can you kind of talk us through you know the campaign idea and then how you felt that's impacted the brand so far and you know if you think that's going to be an avenue that you'll continue to go down we've been on tv before and being on tv i think it's not necessarily an objective to be on tv you know digital channels you can be on be on tv right right now but it's it's something that this time we, we took a bit of a different approach. We've been very direct response um, pre-vision previous, in previous campaigns. This year we wanted to take it a bit more higher level to build a longer, longer lasting impact. So we invested more in, in our creative, showing people like how they can improve their financial well-being by using our product. And in that sense, we saw good results. We applied that creative across our 360 channels and one of the areas we, we, we check is obviously our brand funnel and brand growth funnel, whether it's brand consideration and usage. And we saw a good uptake there, both in our brand growth funnels as well as the overall uh, campaign performance. If we measure it both on TV and, and also overall um, compared to the last year's campaign. Continuing that sort of conversation about sort of product, I mean, so now you've implemented obviously investing into your product. What, you know, what are the other additional sort of features are you looking to add into Plum? Or are you happy with, with the product that you have at the moment? And are you more focused on, on expanding your reach? We're definitely looking into new products to, to, to launch. Huh? We're living in a, in a high interest in, in environment. So how we, we're looking to how can we be, how, how can we deliver products that are uh, servicing, servicing that and, and helping people to save, to save more. As well in Europe, we're looking into expanding our investment opportunities, um, looking into products like ETFs to help people save more and diversify, diversify their new investments. Um, so those are some of the, the future products we are, uh, we are really looking to, to launch. 
is Plum looking to become um, some form of uh, investment super app? Because uh, it sounds like you're, you're adding in quite, you know, with the ETFs and the interest and, and whatnot. It sounds like it's going to be the kind of like go-to platform for investing and in, in, in driving wealth. It's one of our, I think, advantages compared to competitors all the way out there. We have that entire ecosystem where people can choose to automatically uh, save money and then set up through our brain as fitters. Uh, allocated money to either their savings accounts or uh, yeah, their investment accounts, and that is one of the key features and key key strengths from uh, from, from Plum. Uh, that that underlying ecosystem that that we built, and we're always on the lookout to expand that ecosystem. What are some of the financial opportunities we have? How can we help people invest better? And also, how do we understand what people, what products people people? But the core to us, us is uh, how do we also do it in a in a simple way and bring people on, on their uh, on, on their journey. So we've talked a lot about Plum's growth and in, in, in your brand and product development, but one thing we haven't touched upon is is perhaps challenges. What do you think were the main challenges that Plum had faced? It's probably around like market sentiment. So when, for example, we launched crypto, it's it's in a good state right now, but obviously the market turned around. Crypto is still there. People, people use it for people who want to invest uh, in, in trade, trade crypto. Those are some of the, I think, challenges that we are we are we are facing. We're in a much uh, more stable stage right now, so we can build more core functionality that help people in their wealth building journey. But definitely, one of the challenges is what products do we launch? How do we bring them uh, to market in a way that also people understand them? That was, I think, one of the challenges that uh, that stood up. Looking back at your tenure with Plum, from a marketing perspective, or, or maybe from a product perspective as well, you know, what what opportunities do you think you have missed, or what opportunity do you think you missed? When I was client side, I think my my biggest missed opportunity was I didn't invest enough into SEO. That still haunts me to this very day. Actually, I I, I think I could have gained bigger market share if I'd done that outright. It's obviously uh, a big organic organic growth driver. When I would look at, at, at the, the things that we, we did well and we captured on is huh, to really facilitate virality uh, in, in, by using word of mouth in, in our product. We could utilize organic growth more in terms of building out content. And I think that one of the things that we will have to work on is how do we also build educational content within the app so to help people. We, see, we did user research. We, we see there's a a big gap in in uh, what people want to invest and in how how they what they're basically understanding is of of investing. So we're currently testing different like uh, short form pieces of content, uh, basically learning nuggets to help people understand more about the financial financial markets and financial products. Really, that kind of brings us on to looking into the future. Really, oh, you kind of mentioned you kind of touched upon this. Obviously, you're looking to add in additional products to the offering looking to expand um, across Europe. Aside from that, you know, what else is in the future for Plum? You know, is the US in sight or are you looking at other territories? And, and you know, other than the products that you mentioned, is there is there anything else that you're looking to, uh, to jump into? One of the key areas we want to invest further is building like that ecosystem. We have a good foundation in, in, in the investment side, we have a good foundation in the savings side. But what we can leverage definitely more is how do we bring it together? How do we build more saving uh, saving solutions? How do we understand better what users uh, what users want? And 
you know, for us, how do we automate more of this journey? How do we think about forecasting uh, the financial future of some of our users? And that is an area where, where we definitely uh, are thinking, thinking about to invest more. Before I let you go, let's, let's jump into our quick fire round. And uh, other than, obviously, other than our podcast, the FML podcast, what other podcasts are you listening to at the moment? I'm more of an ad hoc podcast listener. I don't have a, I have a huge list of podcasts that I should be listening to. Mainly podcasts around like sports performance. Um, nothing. Uh, there's not not one particular uh, podcast that uh, that stands out for for me. What sports do you mostly uh, listen to? You a big football fan or? Uh, it's more um, cycling, running, triathlon, along the performance uh, side of things. Amazing. Um, other than Plum, what's your favorite fintech app? Revolut. It's, it's, I'm not allowed to use Monzo anymore since I am not based in the UK anymore, but I, Revolut is, is the alternative for me uh, right now after Plot, of course. What, what books are you currently reading or, or would you recommend? One book I would recommend is the, it's called The Culture Map. It's a very interesting book called, on, on how to lead and understand different cultures. Um, that helped me a lot in, in understanding and managing um, multicultural teams, understanding about like how people look at uh, high context, low context, and that is um, it's definitely a read uh, which I recommend to uh, to people. Amazing. Um, what's the best bit of life advice you've ever received? Be kind and make an effort. Simple, but I like it. Well, yes, thank you very much for for joining us today. It's been great, uh, great speaking with you. Thank you. The FML podcast is brought to you by Growth Gorilla. To find out how our marketing growth experts can boost your fintech's growth, head to growthgorilla.co.uk and make sure to search for the FML podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Don't forget to click follow to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Growth Gorilla, thanks for listening.